You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Monitor now invites you to meet the press, America's press conference of the year, winner of every major award in its field. Today's guest on Meet the Press will be Sergeant Shriver, Director of the Peace Corps. We'll bring you today's program in a moment after this message. This is Ben Grower. Today, no single station can afford to maintain the core of correspondence necessary to cover the widely scattered national and international scene. That's why this station's affiliation with the NBC radio network is important to you, the listener. For in addition to local news coverage, you get national and international developments firsthand by direct report from correspondents on the scene. These newsmen draw from their broad background of reporting, adding insight and interpretation. Another asset is NBC's exclusive hotline service, which can interrupt a program any time with news of special importance or with additional details on a major story. NBC's hotline means that in emergencies, you don't have to wait for regularly scheduled hourly newscasts. You are kept informed as the news breaks. This station, backed by the ever-alert service and staff of NBC Radio News, actually keeps you tuned to the world. Don't just dream about a dream house. Do something. Start collecting the down payment by buying Series Z United States savings bonds every month. In just seven years and nine months, you'll get back $4 for every three you invest. And saving is automatic when you buy bonds through the payroll savings plan where you work. Makes it easy to put away for a new home or retirement or a college education fund. So start saving for your future now with United States savings bonds. And now meet the press. Today's guest, Sergeant Shriver, Director of the Peace Corps. Our panel consists of Peter Braystrup, the New York Times, Peter Lifthagor, Chicago Daily News, May Craig of the Portland Maine Press-Herald, and Ray Scherer, NBC News. Lawrence E. Spivak will moderate. Now here is our moderator. This is Lawrence Spivak inviting you to meet the press. Our guest today is the Director of the Peace Corps, Mr. Sergeant Shriver. Now here's the first question from Peter Lissagor of the Chicago Daily News. Mr. Shriver, the Peace Corps caught on because it seemed to tap an unfulfilled uh, sense of idealism or of national purpose among many young Americans. Have you found this sense sustained in the nine months you've been in business? Oh, yes, I have. We're receiving applications from men of that caliber and women at the rate of about a thousand a month. So I think it has been sustained. Uh, as you're all too aware, Mr. Schreiber, there's been a, there are a great many critics of the Peace Corps, among them the former President Eisenhower, who's called it a juvenile experiment, and other people who say the program is naive, arrogant, and other things. How do you answer these people? Well, I think the best uh, comment on the Peace Corps is the reaction of the foreign persons who have come in contact with it actually operating in the field. In every country where the Peace Corps is now in operation, 
we've been requested to send back more Peace Corps volunteers. One of these criticisms has been that there's no real need for the Peace Corps as a separate agency, that many church groups, missionary groups, CARE, and even the Point Four program uh, have had people doing the same kind of work that the Peace Corps people do. Now, why do you need a separate organization overlaying these others to do the work that they do? Well, in their words, the, there's so much work to be done that they need the help that we can give them without uh, taking over their job at all. Uh, they want us in the field. We're working with CARE, for example. You mentioned CARE. We're working with many private agencies. We're helping them to do a better job. Mr. Shriver, you've been in business since March 1, 1961. You have about 532 volunteers overseas. What have your problems been since you got the Peace Corps underway, and what have you tried to do to solve them? Well, there have been a number of difficulties. Uh, one was making sure that we could select people intelligently, that we would get the best kind of people. Another was to train them properly. Another was to support their work overseas adequately. All of these things have required a great deal of skill, and I'm glad that a large number of dedicated Americans have come to Washington to try and help us solve those problems. Uh, at one point, Mr. Shriver, you asked industry and labor to grant employees leaves of absence and a certain amount of job security so they could join the Peace Corps and come back and get their jobs two years hence. Have you had enough cooperation from these groups? My information is that they haven't been too quick to grant their employees leaves of absence to serve their country in the Peace Corps. I don't know of a single case so far, Mr. Braystrup, where an employer has refused to grant a leave of absence. We haven't had an occasion to ask for many, but in several that we have asked, those, those leaves have been given. Mrs. Craig. Mr. Schraber, as you know, some senators are worried for fear the communists will infiltrate the Corps, and you promised to screen them carefully. How are you doing that? Well, in the first uh, six or eight months, uh, Mrs. Craig, we required a full FBI field check on every volunteer before they went overseas, and we did do that. After Congress passed the legislation, we had to change that because Congress changed it. We now have the Civil Service Commission make the full field check, and if any security information comes out as a result of the Civil Service investigation, then that particular person's file is turned over to the FBI. Nobody goes overseas without such a full field check. Did you find that there was an attempt of that sort to infiltrate by communists? Not of any uh, substantial nature. I can't think of any one case yet that has been thrown out on that ground. Do you require a loyalty oath? We require an oath of allegiance to the United States, the wording of which is specified in the basic Peace Corps law passed by Congress. Yes. Now, the President has said that they are not, the Peace Corps are not an instrument of diplomacy and not there for ideological conflict. But can they not speak up for the United States and our system, or is that dangerous? Of course they can speak up. But by speaking up, I, I don't mean to imply that I think it would be advisable for them to get up on a soapbox in a public park and give a speech. I think their work, for example, will speak for itself. The example, the kind of people they are, the kind of dedication they've got, that will speak a great deal. And they, they, and they themselves, of course, in their 
social contacts should speak and speak their minds, and of course they will speak for the United States. I believe the Senate wanted them trained in communist tactics and, and strategies and doctrine. Do you do that satisfactorily, do you think? We do it. I'm not sure that we do anything com with complete satisfaction, but we do do it, and we were doing it. I might point out, Mrs. Craig, before the Senate uh, spoke its mind on the subject. I agree with that policy. Mr. Chair. Referring again to President Eisenhower's comment on the Peace Corps that it was a juvenile experiment, if a man of uh, such eminence and uh, compassion for those abroad should make such a judgment, doesn't it mean that there's really widespread skepticism about the Peace Corps? I think there was widespread skepticism about the Peace Corps at its beginning. I think, however, that that skepticism is beginning to diminish as the people of our country see the Peace Corps in actual operation. First place, the average age of Peace Corps volunteers is 24 years of age. Those are not uh, just juveniles, I think. Uh, second place is they're doing real work overseas, and they do only work that they're requested to do. So I think that the impression is perhaps uh, disappearing a little bit. How do you account for the fact that the conservative right has been so charitable to the Peace Corps? So charitable? Mm -hmm. They've taken, a, I think, a rather friendly attitude. Well, I think that the Peace Corps, in many respects, is conservative. We appeal to the spirit of personal initiative, to the spirit of volunteering to do something for your country. It's patriotic. These are some of the uh, qualities that uh, right-wing people look for in the American personality and character. Having uh, been out in the field and talked to some of the Peace Corps men, seen them in action, uh, you come away with a feeling that the job they have to do is so immense that there is what I think you call a, a potential for frustration. How do you keep them geared to the fact that they're really not going to change the world over, overnight? Well, this starts when they first volunteer. It goes on during the training program. We try to make it clear that they can't change the world overnight. Then overseas, we have effective leaders who continually repeat to them this kind of admonition and uh, advice. And I think that in addition to that, we have people with great maturity in the Peace Corps, for the most part, and I think they're prepared that their work will not change the world overnight. What, what bugs have you found in it so far, now that they are out in the field? What, what things that have to be corrected? What changes would you make if you were starting it all over again? Well, we're emphasizing language instruction even more than we did from the beginning. Uh, from the very start, as you know, we've always emphasized that the people who went overseas had to know the language. Well, we're confirmed in that opinion, and we're going to improve the amount of language instruction that we give. That's one example. Mr. Shriver, if an American taxpayer said to you, the Peace Corps will spend $30 million this year, just what good is it going to do the United States to justify that cause? What, what's your answer to that? Well, number one, every one of those dollars, so to speak, is an investment in an American citizen. We're not giving away anything. We're not supplying money or dams or, or automobiles to foreign countries. We invest the money in a person who goes overseas and comes back. That person, when they return, I believe, will be a better American citizen as a result of this experience. Well, do you see the Peace Corps then as a permanent U.S. agency, as a permanent institution? Not necessarily, and I certainly wouldn't go that far at this time. I think that it's possible that the Congress would imp uh, approve the continuation of the Peace Corps on the basis of success we have actually obtained in the field. Mr. Lissagor. Mr. Shriver, in that connection, I would like to ask you whether the Peace Corps might prove to be a nucleus for Foreign Service officers in the future. 
They will have language training. They will know something about the country. Uh, when they come back, will they get any priority if they want to enter the Foreign Service? We haven't asked for any priority on their behalf, but I agree with the statement you made that they would supply the a pool of persons who would be well qualified to go into the Foreign Service and to other activities of the government. I assume, Mr. Shriver, that the communist propagandists in most of the countries in which the Peace Corpsmen serve uh, are doing their best to discredit the Peace Corps. Uh, when we were in South America recently with the president, uh, there was uh, indications that that is happening. What do you do to counter that? I think the job that our people do is the best counter attack against that kind of propaganda. As long as the communists can only talk against the Peace Corps but can't do anything against it, I think we'll be getting along all right. I'd like to ask you another question. President Kennedy, in uh, setting up the Peace Corps, said that the people would live uh, in, under the same conditions as the natives of the country they're serving. They would eat the same things, uh, have pretty much the same lodgings and so on. Now, we've had reports that uh, some of the Peace Corpsmen live far better than the natives. In fact, some of them live pretty well. Now, what has happened? Have you changed your view about how the Peace Corps should live in the villages? Uh... No, we haven't changed our view, but it wasn't quite the way you described it, I think, uh, Mr. Lissagor. We always said that the Peace Corps people would live as closely as they could to, the, to their counterparts, which means that an American teacher going overseas would live like a Nigerian teacher. Now, in some countries, teachers live pretty well. They're perhaps more highly regarded even than they are in our own country. So we try to live as closely as we can to the kind of people with whom we're working. And we are doing that. Mr. Braystrup. Uh, Mr. Shriver, how many volunteers do you want to have in training or overseas by next July? And how many more applications from across the country are you going to need to produce that many volunteers in training or overseas? Well, we expect to have somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 persons actually in training or overseas by next July. We're now receiving applications at the rate of 1,000 a month. That would be plenty of applications to fulfill that uh, uh, goal. But I expect, personally, that the rate of applications will increase as the end of the academic year comes around and as people's contracts, for example, as teachers terminate in June and as doctors' contracts terminate interns and so on. Uh, Mr. Shriver, this year you have $30 million uh, for, uh, to operate the Peace Corps. How much money are you going to ask for next year? Well, we haven't made up our mind on that because we're trying to base our request next year on actual operating experience in the field. I believe that if we can show that the Peace Corps has been a success in specific places, then we can build on that success. And I think Congress will approve that kind of a, uh, of a plan. Mrs. Craig. Uh, Mr. Shriver, um, some of our armed forces overseas had a lot of trouble with American women going around in short shorts and otherwise offending general opinion. One of your young ladies going to Ghana said she was not going to take slacks because in Ghana women didn't wear slacks. Now, tell me how you tell them about what they should wear in the different countries. Well, we have instructions, but they're not arbitrary instructions. They are advice about the fact that they should conduct themselves in a manner becoming in that particular country to which they're going. This is done verbally in lectures. It's also done in written form. I don't have the materials with me, but no. they're available. Well, this isn't a small thing, is it? Because if you offend against their taboos or customs, it might hurt your effort, wouldn't it? There's no question about it. One yeah. of the most important parts of our training program is the 
training in the history and culture and customs of the foreign country to which the people are going. Another thing that our armed forces found out was romances in foreign countries with the soldiers. Now, how are you going to handle that? Well, we've had a few romances in the Peace Corps already. As a matter of fact, I think we've had three weddings, and they've turned out very nicely so far, and there's no problem at all. I do not mean romance within the Corps. I meant romance within the people of the countries to which they sent. Well, I guess that's one of those problems that we'll face when we come to it. We haven't reached that point yet. Missionaries have told me that they can be in those countries sometimes for 10 or 15 years and never know the secret taboos that they may have offended against. Uh, how do you handle that kind of thing? Well, I think it's only fair to say that there will be mistakes made by Peace Corps volunteers in various countries. We're dealing with human beings, and all human beings make mistakes. And they're going to make mistakes in some of these foreign countries. That's one of the things we have to be prepared to face. But the fact that some mistakes can be made shouldn't deter the missionaries from going. Thank God it hasn't. They've all gone, and I don't think it should deter us. Do you think you have really delved into some of those very secret, mysterious taboos they have in those countries? Well, I haven't, no. But the instructors who teach the Peace Corps volunteers have. They're all people in every case who are very well acquainted with the foreign countries about which they're teaching. Mr. Scherer. Uh, Mr. Schreiber, what makes the ideal Peace Corps volunteer, if there is such a thing, what kind of background uh, gives you the best, best people? I think the first quality that we look for are these uh, nebulous qualities of character, adaptability, perseverance, dedication, those kinds of things. And we look for them by seeing whether a person in this country, in his own home community, has those kinds of characteristics. Has he worked or has she worked for other people in boys club work, in the YMCA, in Boy Scout work, in any kind of settlement work? Have they shown specific interest in other people? And do their colleagues and do their people for whom they work give them a good recommendation? A British official in Africa told me recently that the average American makes the best ambassador. Do you, do you subscribe to that? Well, maybe I'll be able to answer that question better a couple of years from now when we've had more average Americans overseas, but I think it's a very good chance that it's true. What about the misconception that, 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 that you run into about the Peace Corps? The, the people say that you send college men overseas to dig ditches, and on the other hand, people say that you send them overseas without any training. Well, what are you doing about these misconceptions? Well, this program is one way of trying to eliminate some of those misconceptions. We also are beginning to get out more specific information about Peace Corps programs and what kind of work they actually do. But uh, I think it takes a long time to educate the entire country about the specifics of a program new like the Peace Corps one is. Enough units are now out on the field, I should think, for you to make a judgment, as your brother-in-law would say, about uh, what job the Peace Corps can do, do best. You've got them teaching... Uh, laying out roads, working on any, on any number of things. What do you think they're really best suited for and based on what you've seen so far? Well, I think teaching is an obvious case. Uh, agriculture is another one. Anything to do with public health or sanitation, home economics, those are all good areas. And then in the general area of uh, the skilled crafts, like auto mechanics, carpenters, masons, plumbers, and so on, people like that are needed greatly overseas, and we actually have not sent many people of that caliber over uh, to jobs abroad. Well, now, you mentioned agriculture. In view of the great reservoir of agricultural skills in the United States, the number of men who, and, and women who have graduated from ag colleges and the 4-H'ers and future farmers, why have you had so much trouble inducing this type of person to, to volunteer for the Peace Corps? Well, we haven't had a great deal of trouble. Uh, in getting them to volunteer once they know what our program is. But we have had difficulty in reaching them uh, with the accurate information. 
Uh, now that the 4-H Club Foundation, for example, is working with us, we have a cooperative arrangement with them, I'm confident that we will begin to get more volunteers of that kind into the Peace Corps. Our first program along that line is in Brazil and South America, and 50 people are starting training next week here in Washington at the 4-H Club Foundation headquarters. Do you still need them most, agricultural skills? Yes. Mr. Shriver, I wish you'd make clear one, one thing. It's a question I've been asked many times. Why the Peace Corps at all? You've got uh, thousands of missionaries who are spending, oh, I think maybe close to $200 million, who are doing work of this nature all over the world. What, what is the Peace Corps doing that the missionaries aren't doing? Well, I wouldn't say we were doing anything that they're not doing, but we are helping them and helping others like them to do the job better. I think any missionary you would talk to would tell you that there's plenty of work that they are not yet able to do. We're moving into that field to help out, to supplement the kind of work they've been doing. Mr. Lissagor. Mr. Shriver, one fear at the outset, you've touched on this point, but I'd like to uh, hear you elaborate on it. One fear at the outset was that the Peace Corps would attract rich young men and women who, want, who could afford to spend two years at it and uh, polish up their languages and get a few kicks abroad. Uh, how, uh, how's your experience been along that line? Well, so far, I think it's been pretty good. About 15% of the total people in the Peace Corps overseas today are not college graduates. So they're not just rich kids who have been to college and are now taking a, a, a post-college uh, uh, educational experience. Uh, some of our best people are truck drivers, for example. One of the leaders in our group in Columbia is a fellow who never graduated from high school, but who was a truck driver in Chicago, and he has been elected a leader by the Peace Corps volunteers. He has the, the basic qualities. So I'd say so far it's been going pretty good. One of your first projects, if I'm not mistaken, was in Ghana, and you've had teachers there for quite some time now. Ghana has, uh, as you know, a political orientation which we're a little bit uh, suspicious of. Uh, have they had any bad experiences in Ghana as a result of the Ghana's national policies and uh, leaning leftward and uh, playing footsie with the communists? No, we've had no bad experiences in Ghana whatsoever. In fact, the experiences have all been excellent in Ghana. Now, uh, apart from the young lady who wrote the postcard from Nigeria, uh, have you had any bad uh, experiences generally in the Peace Corps in these countries? No, and with respect to the situation in Nigeria, I think it's significant that after that postcard was written and all the uproar about it, the Nigerian government asked us to send a second contingent to Nigeria and a third contingent. The second contingent arrived out there on the 28th of November. The third contingent is going to arrive out there next week. And the uh, governor general of Nigeria issued a public statement welcoming the second group and saying that he approved the Peace Corps completely. Mr. Braystrom. You now have uh, some 500 people overseas. How big do you think the Peace Corps will have to get before it really has a significant impact on the countries to which it has been assigned? I think that that's an impossible question to answer at this time in terms of numbers. I will say that in Colombia and South America, it seems to be having a significant effect already. The president of Colombia asked us to double the number of people down there because he said that the arrival of the Peace Corps volunteers had energized a great deal of activity in Colombia. So I don't think you can measure the success of the Peace Corps in just in terms of the numbers of people we send. After all, there are very few people uh, have started a, a many great movements around the world, missionary movements, for example, that were mentioned a minute ago, 
have never enlisted millions of people, but they have been quite effective. How many more, uh, how big a Peace Corps are you going to ask for for next year? Well, as I said, I'm not certain yet. We will de it will depend on the experience that we get over the next few months. But I should think that if we are very successful with 2,300 people overseas, the Congress would probably like it, would like to increase the size of a successful program. Mrs. Craig. Uh, Mr. Shriver, the president did say that the Peace Corps would live alongside the people of the country eating the same food. Now, there are strange and horrible diseases over there, as we found during the war there. Uh, and congressmen are upset because we are going to take care of them if they get anything bad like that. Now, how do you, guarantee, how do you justify such a temporary two-year service with a possible lifelong care afterwards? Well, in the first place, I don't think there will be many cases of lifelong care afterward. We had the United States Public Health Service make a survey on this specific point for us. In addition to that, they go into each country in advance of the Peace Corps to determine what the medical problems, if any, that exist in that country. In the third place, we send a doctor, a United States Public Health Service doctor, to nearly every country where the Peace Corps goes. These people work, incidentally, in local facilities, medical facilities. So we've taken steps which minimize the dangers that you're worried about. And so far, we've had pretty good uh, success. They eat the same food and drink the water. How are you going to prevent this? Well, they don't drink the same water. For example, they boil water in countries where that's necessary. They take precautions which are given to them, recommended to them, by the United States Public Health Service. Are you trying to send doctors and nurses from here? Yes, we've already sent doctors and nurses. We've sent, for example, 16 nurses to Malaya, not to take care of the Peace Corps, but to work in the Malayan medical facilities. We have about two more minutes. Mr. Shera. Uh, Mr. Shriver, you have uh, great enthusiasm. I think you've showed that, shown that today. I'm wondering, is there any danger you may oversell this program? What about countries that want more volunteers and will, will ever be able to send them? Well, we make it clear right from the beginning that we never will be able to meet the demand. Uh, we've got requests at the Peace Corps headquarters today for 15,000 uh, uh, Peace Corps volunteers around the world. Uh, we've only sent 500. Uh, many countries know that they never will be able to get all of their requests filled. What's happened to the young lady who wrote the postcard? She's working at the Peace Corps headquarters and doing a very good job. Do you feel that somebody in Nigeria was, was out to get the, the Peace Corps when that incident was over? No, I think the postal card was misinterpreted, uh, but I don't say that anybody was out to get the Peace Corps. As a matter of fact, that meeting has been followed by another meeting at the same university at which the Peace Corps has been endorsed. Mr. Lissagor. Mr. Shriver, now that Adlai Stevenson has bowed out of the Illinois Senate race for the Democrats, there's been talk around Illinois that you might be a likely candidate. Uh, have you been approached on this? Uh, no, I have not. What would, uh, what would, how would you feel about it? I feel that it was too soon after taking on the Peace Corps job to uh, go into something else. In other words, you would not now be interested in running for the Senate from Illinois? No, I wouldn't. Uh, do I have time for one short question? It's hard for us to believe that uh, the adventurous shine on going abroad among many Peace Corpsmen won't wear off in the boredom and frustration, as Mr. Shearer referred to a while ago, and in the harsh living conditions there. Uh, have you found any uh, people already becoming bored and frustrated? Has the attrition started, or don't you accept this premise? Well, I don't know about the premise, but the attrition has not started. Nobody has quit yet. We have brought some fellows home for medical reasons. Thank you. At this point, we're going to have to suspend our question.
Thank you, Lawrence Spivak. In just a moment, we'll tell you how you can get a copy of this week's Meet the Press discussion. Saturn, to the ancient Romans, a god. To astronomers, the second largest planet. To space scientists, Saturn is a huge rocket designed to bear the burden of U.S. space missions after the turn of the year. It'll be a Saturn space vehicle that will take a three-man crew to the moon and back, and that's some of the exciting news that I, Merrill Muller, hope to be reporting to you in the future. For news of today, covered clearly, concisely, and down-to-earth style, stay in touch with NBC Radio News on the Hour. You know, Americans are inclined to take a lot for granted, but to people in an undeveloped country, a good road, plumbing, and good farming methods simply do not exist. These young nations need help which you can provide as a member of the Peace Corps. The Peace Corps needs people who know how to design and construct farm buildings, farm management experts to plan the best use for the soil, farm mechanics to explain the care and maintenance of tractors, people experienced in vocational agriculture to teach in schools, engineers to develop irrigation systems. The list goes on and on, and your skills can help. That's why the Peace Corps wants you to volunteer. And don't count yourself out because you don't have a college degree. With the Peace Corps, your 4-H club and Future Farmers of America experience is just as important. For more information, write to the Peace Corps, Washington 25, D.C. Volunteer your services to the Peace Corps. Remember, your skills can help. That address again, the Peace Corps, Washington 25, D.C. Now more details on Meet the Press. Today's guest was Sergeant Shriver, Director of the Peace Corps. And the panel consisted of Peter Braestrup, New York Times, Peter Lissigore, Chicago Daily News, May Craig, Portland Press-Herald, and Ray Scherer, NBC News. For a printed copy of today's Meet the Press interview, send 10 cents in coin and a stamped self-addressed envelope to Merkle Press, M-E-R-K-L-E, Merkle Press, 809 Channing Street, Northeast Washington, D.C. Meet the Press will be heard again next week at the same time when the guest will be Alan Dulles, the former director of the CIA. This is NBC, the night before Christmas. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.